Well, good morning. Morning. Good morning. <coughs> Excuse me. I thought Mr. Johnny was leaving, but I think he's going to lock the door. <laughs> I want to thank you all for praying for the preacher this past week, especially. Uh, went and had a COVID test and was negative. Praise the Lord. And uh, other than uh, some normal everyday routine stuff that medication seemed to help out a lot, I'm okay. Thanks to the Lord. And a good nurse, I might add. Got a good nurse. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's open to uh, Mark chapter 15. There's a lot uh, going on around us in the world, and uh, we need to be diligent in our prayer lives, especially about what's going on and what's happening in not just uh, the world, but in our country. We have uh, some very important elections coming up, and I'm I'm not a political person. I don't follow politics too close. But from what I hear, <laughs> we're in trouble. And uh, we, need to, we need to ask the Lord to deliver us and uh, give us the right leadership. And folks of all, uh, <laughs> most of all folks, I'm convinced that... Uh, what the church needs to do is get on its face before God. All of us, large churches, small churches, in-between churches, all of us who call ourselves Christians need to be on our face before the Lord, seeking his will and his way uh, for us, uh, not just during this time of election, but in, in our nation, in our relationship with uh, the lost and uh, sick folks and everybody else. We just need God's help to be his people during this time and this generation. Uh, we need to be especially diligent to do what God wants us to do. Now, Mark chapter 15. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests had a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole Sanhedrin. After tying Jesus up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said it. And the chief priests began to accuse him of many things. And Pilate questioned him again, Are you not answering anything? Look how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still did not answer anything, so Pilate was amazed. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your love and your watch care over us. 
We thank you, Father, for your leadership and your guidance in our lives. And we pray that uh, every day we might turn to you for your guidance and leadership in our lives. God, especially in our country, in the decisions we have to make. Lord, in our church, as we seek to follow your will, God, uh, make it clear to us what you would have us to do as your people. The strength and the courage, the determination to do the things you would have us to do. Lord, as we look at your word, we recognize that, uh, God, uh, you didn't even exempt your son from the cruelty of the world and the cruelty of his fellow men. And Lord, we, we don't ask us to be taken out of all of this. We just ask you to protect us, give us the strength to carry on in your name, that your name might be glorified among all people. Lord, we just uh, we pray that uh, as we have this time together, we might examine our own hearts and see just where it is we need to be in our relationship with you. And Father, we, we pray that we'll go there, uh, Lord, and, and be the people you want us to be. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As soon as it was morning, <laughs> Mark said, as, as soon as it was morning, the chief priest had a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole Sanhedrin. After tying Jesus up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Folks, I don't know whether y'all have figured it out from reading your New Testament or not, but uh, Jesus was not a well-liked person among the Jews. He was, he was a Jewish boy, born and bred, Jewish mama, Jewish daddy, Jewish heritage, and uh, he went to a synagogue or, or church or whatever they had. He was faithful to do and go to the temple. Uh, he carried out all of the, the, the laws and everything that he should have. He was the epitome of the Jewish uh, school and teaching. And uh, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was arrested because of that, I guess. I, I don't know what else they could have arrested him for. Uh, but, you know, we have things like that going on today in our world. Uh, men and women alike get arrested at different places around the world uh, just simply for being a Christian. You know, you can, uh, you can mention the name of uh, God or Jehovah or Jesus at uh, different places in the world today and be in danger of losing your life. People don't want to hear that. Well, it was no different back in the time of Jesus. People didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say, and they wanted to shut him up. Now, this was, this was not from the world necessarily as much as it was the church. You know why? He was messing in there with a little play wagon. They had their own little thing going and their own little money coming in, and they had their own little robes to wear, and when they walked down the street with all those bells ringing on their tassels and everybody looked at them and groveled and did all that kind of stuff, you know, they, they enjoyed all of that. And Jesus came 
as God's high priest. I mean, he was the top drawer. And uh, the leaders in the Jewish church felt what they stood for slipping away. Well, now, if you want to mess with a church, Southern Baptist Church, Methodist Church, Presbyterian Church, Church of God, Pentecostal Church, it doesn't make any difference what it is. If you want to get in bad with a church, you go to messing with their regular routine and see what happens. Now, if you don't believe that, just think back in your mind because you've probably seen it sometimes even in the Baptist Church among us when the order of service was changed. Oh, my goodness. You know, we get used to having a prayer and a song and, a, and another prayer and announcements, and then we have a couple of songs, and uh, then we have the preaching, and then we have an invitation. You change that, you're a heretic. People get all upset to act like they can't worship if you don't do it in that order. Well, if you want to mess with somebody's faith, mess with their religion. And the Jews, especially in the time of Jesus, felt like that their belief system was being messed with. That Jesus was trying to overthrow and to overcome everything they'd been teaching. What they didn't know, he was the fulfillment of everything that they had been teaching all of their lives. They didn't have enough sense to recognize that. And we have folks in our church today, churches, plural, all the churches uh, that uh, we don't, we don't uh, do anything but want to, to tie up, as it were, Jesus. We want to bundle him up in a neat little package and put him over in the corner somewhere and when it's convenient for us, get him out. Just think about that. When it's convenient, we get him out and we say, Lord, you know, fix this condition in the world. Lord, be with so-and-so because they're sick. Uh, be with our services this morning that uh, you might be glorified. And then we tie him back up in a little knot and stick him over in the corner. Folks, I submit to you that most of us, I don't want to sound too ugly about this, but, and I don't want to elevate the Pentecostals for, I mean, by any stretch of the imagination. But most of us are afraid just to surrender to the Lord and let the Lord do with us what he wants to. We just don't want to do that. It might embarrass us. Heaven forbid we'd be embarrassed for Jesus, huh? I mean, we got a lot of things going on. And in Jesus' day, he, he made them so mad they came to get him. They tied him up and they took him to jail and they took him before the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish court. And they handed him over to Pilate. That was the Roman leader. I mean, they had him all the way around. They intended to get rid of him. Pilate asked him, verse 2, Are you king of the Jews? Look at what Jesus said. You have said it. Are you king of the Jews? Jesus concurred with his Messiahship. He never denied being the Son of God and Messiah of the world. 
Are you him? Yes, I am. Now, you can't get much plainer than that. So what did they do? <laughs> they got angry. Look at, <coughs> excuse me. Look at verse 3. And the chief priest began to accuse him of many things. And Pilate questioned him again. Are you not answering anything? Look how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still not answering anything. So Pilate was amazed. It didn't matter what they said about him. It was not true. It did not deserve an answer. He didn't have a reason to defend himself. He had done nothing wrong. Folks, we find ourselves as Christians in the Christian church in a position many times today, it seems, of defending our faith to a lost and dying world. Do you know what? We don't have anything to be ashamed of or to defend ourselves before the world for. Now, it may take us a long time to get a hold of that in our minds and our hearts, but we ought not to be ashamed of anything that Jesus said or Jesus has done or told us to do. We ought to just be obedient. And excuse my expression, if that gets in people's way and hair lips the devil, we ought to just let the devil get hair lips. Jesus refused to defend himself against all of these charges that the people were bringing against him. And it amazed those that were there because he refused to defend himself. Verse 3 goes on and says, And the chief priest began to accuse him of many things. And Pilate questioned him again, Are you not answering anything? Look how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still did not answer anything. So Pilate was amazed. Folks, sometimes the best thing we can do is shut up and let God. You know, I mean, if, if we lived in the deepest, darkest part of Africa where they don't have a Bible or, or any churches or anything like that, it'd be different. The United States of America has been blessed by the Lord. We have a church, especially down here in the south, we have one or two churches on every block, it seems. We don't have a, a, a void of gospel teaching and preaching. Some of it may not be just exactly the same as ours as, as Southern Baptists, but folks, there are people out there proclaiming Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected from the dead uh, everywhere amongst us. They take a little different slant to it than we do, but folks, the word is being preached and spread here among us, especially in the South. And the priests couldn't stand it back then that he was uh, disrupting uh, their little party, their little wagon, uh, uh, the church. And Pilate was, was so amazed. Keep in mind now, Pilate's a Roman. And then, you know, I, when the Jews drug Paul before Pilate or drug Jesus before Pilate and accused him of who knows what, I mean, just everything, violation of all of their laws and their rules, Jesus didn't say a word. He just, he never tried to defend himself. 
Have you ever been accused of something you weren't guilty of and you were going to receive punishment for it? I don't know about y'all. Situation like that, I try to do everything I can to get out of it. I don't want to be punished. Jesus knew he was not guilty of anything that they were charging him with. He knew. Why did he know? Because he was God. He was God in the flesh here on this earth, and he had no sin. They couldn't accuse him of anything that would hold up. He just didn't say anything. And, and old Pilate, you know, <laughs> Pilate was a Roman. He was used to the Roman court legal system. He was used to people arguing back and forth and defending themselves and waxing eloquent in court and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he couldn't understand why Jesus didn't open his mouth to defend himself. You and I must understand. Jesus knew that he hadn't done anything to defend himself for. He stood up for God. He stood up for the truth. He stood up for salvation of the lost. He led people to come to knowledge of his heavenly father and secure a home in heaven. He knew all of that. And that's the only thing that he had done. And they were bringing all kind of false accusations. You and I have a tendency, if not, goes beyond tendency. Somebody falsely accuses me and wants to drag me to court. I go kicking and screaming and resisting every kind of way that I can because I didn't do it. I'm not guilty and I don't want to give judgment, get judgment for it if I didn't do it. Jesus wasn't that way. When they drug Jesus before the court, he went silent as a lamb. Pilate said, are you king of the Jews? Jesus said, if, if I can add a word, if you say that I am, if you say that I am, you've said it. Pilate must have known something was up. Somewhere with somebody when Jesus refused to defend himself. And folks, if you look at the, drop down to verse 6. At the festival, it was Pilate's custom to release for the people a prisoner they requested. There was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as was the custom. So Pilate answered them, do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priest had handed him over. The chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. Pilate asked him again, Then what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews? Folks, I want you to know something. If you hadn't figured it out already, sinners would rather have fellowship with the world than they had with Jesus. Amen. Those that know Jesus Christ, that are good Christian people and honor him and love him, love being around him, now, I hate to do this, but I have to do it every once in a while. I'm going to meddle a little bit. 
If you go around to all of just the Southern Baptist churches in Helena and West Helena today, reckon how many people compared to the membership of each church you're going to see. What percentage would you guess of people that call themselves Christian Southern Baptists are in attendance at a Southern Baptist church this morning? Be lucky, folks. Be lucky if the overall number exceeded 40%. Be lucky if that happened. Where is everybody? Well, there's nothing to talk to folks that uh, are church members that uh, when summertime comes, they'd rather spend the weekend on the lake fishing and swimming or on a golf course or somewhere else. They've got all kind of visiting to do and everything else they can't do at any other time of the year. Any other time of the week, they have to take the Lord's day to do it and take time away from God. You know what that tells me? They love the world more than they love Jesus. Now, that's just the bottom line. That's all you can say about it. Well, it's the only time I have to. Well, now, hush, you make time to do everything else you want to do. We can't excuse our way out of mistreating God and that's exactly what we do Lord, it amazed Pilate <laughs> that he didn't say anything when Pilate saw how the people hated him Jesus had admitted his messiahship and he was refusing to defend himself. But Pilate was really, he was really amazed at the hatred of the people for this one. This man who had done nothing except preach the truth to them, reach out to them, heal the sick, raise the dead. This man that was uh, displaying himself as king of kings. They'd rather be associated with sinners than they had Jesus. Boy, we've got a world full of people today. You know, the United States of America is supposed to be a Christian nation. And if we got out of south, just out of Arkansas, Mississippi, Tennessee, Louisiana, well, let's don't even put Louisiana in the bunch. Well, that's just this tri-state area of ours. The percentage of people that are interested in the Lord is a lot higher in our area than it would be in the rest of the world. I would venture a guess. Or the rest of the United States. We won't even have to go out of the world. People would rather be associated with things of the world than they had with Jesus. When we do things that give us away as Christians, somebody's going to say, oh, you must be a Christian. Well, you know, instead of making excuses for ourselves, we'll say, yeah, and I'm proud of it. What's it to you? Let me tell you about my Jesus. We'd rather be associated with those who didn't bring us under conviction. And sometimes the Lord uses strange ways to bring us under conviction. Not telling others about him. At the festival, it was Pilate's custom to release the people to the people, a prisoner they requested 
there was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them what was the custom. So Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priest had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. A murderer! They had rather have a murderer turned free than they had have Jesus freed. Now you're talking about a bunch of messed up folks. The Jewish people in the day of Jesus were, were a bunch of messed up folks. But I submit to you they're not much more messed up, if any, than we are in the United States of America. And let's go a step further and say in our Christian churches in America. They cried, crucify him, crucify him. Willing to gratify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. Wasn't just enough for him to be crucified. He had to humiliate him first. We allow the world to humiliate the church and our Lord Jesus Christ without ever saying a word. When's the last time you heard somebody use the Lord's name in vain and corrected them? We do all the time. And we ought to be ashamed when we don't say don't do that. The soldiers led him away into the courtyard, that is headquarters, called the whole company together. They dressed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on him and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. <laughs> they were continuing to mock and to ridicule Jesus. They didn't like him. That's the condition of a lost world. They don't like Jesus. They kept hitting him on the head with a reed and spitting on him, getting down on their knees. They were paying him homage, mocking him. They stripped him of the purple robe, put his clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. You know, it's a terrible thing when you can't find anything to do with Jesus except hang him on the cross. I wonder how many of our lives as individuals were that way before we came to know Jesus. How many people out there today that are lost without Jesus Christ continue to crucify him every day, hang him on that cross in dishonor just to satisfy some longing that they may have to make them feel better or look better? See, it happens all the time. They were shouting accusations, of course, to Jesus. Verse 21 said, They forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. He was Simon, 
Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means skull place. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Now, that was a kind of a sedative like wine mixed with myrrh. It make the pain less. They were <laughs> trying to be nice to Jesus. If you, if you could imagine being nice to anybody that suffered such uh, horror. Now, y'all... Y'all have had a description of the crucifixion told you before. They, this wasn't 12-penny nails they drove into Jesus' hands. They were spikes that probably four to six inches long they drove through his wrist. And even bigger than that, they drove through his uh, ankles and lower legs to attach his feet to the cross. It, this was a, a terrible thing that they did to Jesus. And I don't know if y'all are like me or not, but uh, I grew up kind of out in the country a little bit. My grandparents lived in the country. And we could find we could find bushes with thorns on them out in the country. And I want to tell you something. There's some nasty-looking thorns out there in the wood. I want to tell you something. There's nothing for a vine to have thorns on it that long. When they planted a crown of thorns for Jesus, I, don't, I believe with all my heart it was one of those that had thorns on it that long. And they just didn't lay it up on his head. They crushed it down upon his head. That had to feel good. If the humiliation wasn't bad enough, if the nails in your wrists and in your feet weren't bad enough, the humiliation being who he was had to be something. But Jesus, Jesus kept going. They led him out to be crucified. They forced a man coming in from the country to carry his cross for him. Simon of Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, and they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means a skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. He, he wouldn't take any kind of sedative. He wanted to feel what he had to feel. Then they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots for them to decide what each would get. <laughs> they gambled for his clothing. They shot craps, in other words. They shot craps for his clothing to see who would get what. They put an inscription on him. The inscription of the charge written against him was King of the Jews. Now, that's a charge, isn't it? And really a bad man. They crucified two criminals with him, one on his side, on his right, and one on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, it says, and he was counted among outlaws. Folks, what they did to Jesus was despicable. It was deplorable. And I submit to you what human beings in this world today what a lot of people in our churches today continue to do to Jesus every day is despicable practice. It's no wonder a lost world doesn't see the light in the church and is, are drawn to the light. I'm, again, I go back to the country illustration. You can get out there in the dark 
We used to camp out as boys sometimes. We'd get out in the backyard, pitch a tent and all that kind of stuff, you know. We'd have little lanterns and things like that around. And I want to tell you what happens when you turn the light on at night out in the dark. You get a lot of flying insects around them. Y'all know that. You From this part of the world, you know you get a lot of that. And that's what happened here. Uh, he, he was getting a lot of attention. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him and shaking their heads and saying, Hi, the one who would demolish the sanctuary and build it in three days. Save yourself by coming down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with scribes were mocking him to one another and saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him were taunting him, one on either side. They were suffering the same fate. I guess it made them feel better to cast a Spurgeon on the third person. Do you know... <laughs> We apologetically tell somebody, and uh, you know, excuse me for a personal illustration, but back in my younger days as a teenager, I was known to lift one every once in a while. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, and I could make all kinds of excuses for doing that. You know, what's it going to hurt? You know, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't living the life for the Lord that I should have been living. I was not setting the example for him that I should have been. The testimony of my life was not what it should have been because of the way I was acting. They were taunting Jesus because he wouldn't do what he said he could do and come down off of that cross. When it was noon, verse 33 says, when it was noon, Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even the Son of God in the flesh felt deserted by his Father in heaven folks we can't help but feel as human beings the despair of life sometimes we can't help it it comes on us we don't want it to we know it's wrong we know it's bad but it still comes on us when we are guilty that's when we need to really get by ourselves with the Lord and apologize and tell him we're sorry and we know that's not true. Thank him for being with us all the way. Verse 35 says, When some of those standing there heard this, they said, Look, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, filled, fixed it on a reed, and offered him a drink, and said, Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. But Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. <laughs> reckon, reckon God was kind of showing out a little bit. 
I can't imagine. You know, we hear about rumblings and thunders and all of that sort of stuff and, and the, the mighty power of God being on display. But can you imagine being in a setting like this? Needs a, we need a drape back here. <laughs> can you imagine God reaching down into the temple and taking a curtain and ripping it in half? It didn't rip from bottom to top. It ripped from top to bottom. Jesus took it and ripped it in half. Now, if I'd have been a priest standing in the room at the time, that might would have gotten my attention. If nothing else had that day, that might would have gotten my attention. I don't know. Whew. Jesus finally, finally gave up the ghost. Verse 39 says, When the centurion who was standing opposite him saw that the, the way he breathed his last, he said, This man really was God's son. If a heathen, a Roman heathen at that, saw that in Jesus, why couldn't everybody else? There were also some women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they would follow him and help him. Many other women had come to help with him in Jerusalem. When it was already evening, because it was a preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went in to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised that he was de already dead, Summoning the centurion, he asked whether he had already died. When he found out from the centurion, he gave the corpse to Joseph. After he bought some fine linen, he took him down and wrapped him in the linen. Then he placed him in a tomb, cut out the rock, and rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Now Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were watching where he was placed. <laughs> but folks, that's not the end of the story, is it? That's a, I mean, the, the greatest part about the whole thing, that's not the end of the story. What the Romans thought they could do by killing Jesus and nailing him to the cross was get rid of this movement. But you know what they did? They gave the movement a hero. Him being Jesus, of course. In chapter 16, the next chapter in Mark just tells the story about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The women, the next day, they had seen where they laid him. They went to take care of the body and anoint it and do all the things they were supposed to do the next day after the Sabbath. And uh, guess what? He wasn't there. The stone had been rolled back. That it took quite a few grown men to roll over the hole. And there was a lonely little angel sitting on top of the rock. 
And he said, girls, why have y'all come here? He's not here. He's alive. He's risen. If you'll go look for him, you'll find him such and such. The girls were astonished. Folks, I want to tell you something. You ladies ought to feel blessed among all inhabitants of the earth that the women, not his disciples, not his followers and preachers, the women that followed him and took care of business, took care of him and watched after him, the women were the first to see an empty tomb. Now, girls, I've always contended y'all had a special place in the kingdom, and I believe you do. Uh, us men folks can try to catch up, but we got a long way to run. God loves us all. He displayed a mir miracle to them, and what did they do? They didn't just go home and sit on it quietly. When they learned of the resurrection, they went running back to tell the apostles. And you know what? The more hard-headed men, <laughs> you know, we, we're hard to convince sometimes. They didn't believe it. And I don't know who got there first, but I, I, I've got a feeling Peter outran everybody, didn't he? He got there first, and he wasn't bashful at all. He boomed on up into the into that tomb Jesus wasn't there they were amazed and an angel sitting there I like to picture him the way I've seen some of these pictures of the empty tomb of him sitting on the rock that's been rolled away from the tomb the opening to the tomb and talking to the disciples and saying he's not here boys he's gone ahead of y'all to meet you See, God doesn't leave anything to question. God wants us to be the people that he wants us to be. We've all been born to live eternally. We were talking this morning just for a little bit in Sunday school about an old seminary professor of mine that believed God didn't create anybody to go to hell. God did not create a human being at any time, anywhere to die and go to hell as a lost sinner. God created every human being on the face of this planet that's ever been born to have eternal life with him in heaven. It just happens to be our decision, man's decision, so many times men make the wrong decision. We've been born alive to God and his perfect plan was for corrupted man to be forgiven his sin by God and still go to heaven. God loves us and he cares for us. Jesus, he who knew no sin, died to take all of our sin away. All of our sin. It's Jesus died that we sinful men might live. Let's don't forget that, folks.
if, uh, if there's any challenge that I could give you today, it would be to remember always what Jesus has done for us, for you, and not be ashamed, not be afraid to bear witness of the truth. You know, we can hesitate about telling a lie sometimes <laughs> because we know it's not right. But when we got the truth in our corner, we ought to unashamedly present it to people. And uh, I know it's difficult, but we need to get in the habit of doing it. All of us, myself included. Let's stand together. And uh, we'll uh, have just a time of invitation, if you will. Just a song. If something's on your heart, just uh, an instrumental if uh, God has spoken to you in any kind of way and you need to make any kind of decision, it doesn't matter what, if you just need to pray with me, you're welcome to come. Just bow your head, close your eyes, and just consider your relationship with the Lord. Consider where you stand with Him. If you do the things that please Him or the things to please the world, Thank you all for being here this morning.